Hey there, sweet sister friend. Welcome back to the Shine with Franny show. I'm so glad you're here. I first want to say a huge thank you. So many of you have reached out. Um, if you're an email subscriber, if you're part of my free and favored list, or perhaps if you listened to the last episode, um, you know that I shared a little bit more about what's been going on in my world these days. And some of you said, you know, I know that you really talk a lot about, you know, the fitness component and the health component. But this is certainly, I had probably a handful of people who said this is certainly, um, you know, a topic that resonates. And one person in particular said, you know, it's funny because I feel like this really relates to health because when you're going through relationship struggles or any type of adversity, it certainly impacts your health. So I was kind of toying with like, do I just not share this on the podcast because my main focus is around, you know, faith, fitness, and fun. And I was like, no, you know what? they're 100% right. Like this is a part of our health and this is a part of our story, right? That ultimately will bring him glory. So as I aim to make heaven crowded and make earth healthy, I want us to be healthy spirit, soul, and body. And so what I'm going to share today really piggybacks from the last episode at 135. If you haven't listened yet, I would encourage you and invite you to go and listen. I share three tools to help help you heal during, you know, not necessarily just a type of heartbreak or heartache, but really strife or adversity or just, you know, a time maybe where you're just in a place where you feel stuck. And so I want us to focus in on the first tool that I shared, which was mentioning, um, you know, the importance of allowing yourself to feel your feelings, right? In order to heal, you must feel. And we hear all these gurus and motivational speakers and even Bible teachers, and they're like, don't be led by your emotions and don't make decisions based on emotions. And while that is certainly true, you know, I think that it's a challenge when we ask people to almost like dismiss our emotions oftentimes, because I don't know about you, but there have been many a time where I have tried to numb my emotions and stuff them, whether it be into the dark recesses and corners of my heart or with some Ben and Jerry's and chocolate cake. Lord only knows I had some little Debbie nutty bars up in there. And they have definitely, you know, those emotions have definitely surfaced elsewhere. They have certainly impacted my health, not only my weight, but of course my mental health, my confidence level, um, you know, and of course just my overall emotional health, my physical health. You know, when I've stuffed those emotions, it physically did something to my body. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, you know, I wasn't, you know, acting right with friends and whatnot. So it certainly impacts your overall health. So while we don't live by our emotions, it's important that we honor them. And we have to remember that as image bearers of God, you know, and we're designed with these emotions. That is our divine design. And if we think about, you know, this is one of the main characteristics of humanity. We are mammals and many other mammals, many other um, animals, pardon me, are mammals. But because we have emotions and because we're made in God's image and we know that Jesus is God made flesh, think about the emotions that Jesus had. You know, we envision him at the Last Supper and them lounging, having dinner together. We envision him in other people's homes, you know, laughing. We envision him at the wedding feast and, you know, again, a time of celebration. We envision Jesus at the temple and throwing over tables. We envision him, at least I do, you know, I envision him crying when Lazarus died, you know, mourning over with Martha and Mary, mourning over the loss of their brother. So we do know that Jesus, like God, has emotions. And so it's okay for us to allow ourselves to emote. But what we do have to remember is, of course, that we don't want them to completely be, you know, the leader of all of our decisions than thereafter. 
And so one key emotion that has really surfaced for me over the last few weeks has been hopelessness. And I'm going to try not to cry here. It's been a few days where I haven't had spontaneous combustion of tears. Um, but you know, I really just thought about it like, oh my gosh, it took me 46 years to find this person who is this good, godly man. Oh my gosh, it's going to take me another 46. And oh my gosh, I'm going to be almost 100. <laughs> I envision myself sitting with my little Yorkie on my lap in a nursing home eating applesauce and pudding cups, you know, like I just went to that place in my mind of like, it's never going to happen. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Why am I going there? You know? And so it's important that again, allowing ourselves to sit in that for a minute, but I was like, okay, well, let me look at this feeling of hopelessness because there are other people in the Bible who felt hopeless. And so we know that God calls us to use the Bible as really our guidebook. It's our best self-help book you could ever find in any Barnes and Noble or Amazon (laughs) cart, you know, and we have to really look and say, okay, well, who else has felt hopeless? And, you know, I went to Sarah's story immediately knowing that she was going to be the mother, you know, if Abraham was going to be the father of all nations, she was going to be the mother of all nations. And then of course I flipped through Psalms and man alive, David writes a, a number of great Psalms where he is just hopeless and then he shifts gears and he's like, but God, I still trust you, but I love you. You are my strong rock. You are my mighty tower. You're my fortress. You're my shield. And that's just so strengthening and encouraging. And then of course I went to the story of Ruth, you know, and I spent an entire night just literally weeping and crying with Ruth because I thought about, you know, her literally being so faithful to Naomi and just going out day after day and picking up, you know, the chaff and just really just remaining faithful and steadfast. She never wavered. She continued to serve and honor Naomi. And, you know, of course I spent a night with Jeremiah. We, we hear about Jeremiah as the weeping prophet. And, you know, as I dove in, I, I read parts of Jeremiah, but we know the word lamentations and the word lament in and of itself already has <laughs> a sad connotation to it. And as I started studying it, I learned that actually lamentations is a funeral dirge and it was, um, like it was chanted in Jewish tradition. It was actually chanted. It was five different poems, a little edutainment for you there in case you want to learn something today. But really, you know, Jeremiah, his heart was broken in this book because of what um, the Jewish people, you know, he was from Judah and the people of Jerusalem have completely rejected God. And so as I went through that, I, you know, read through a couple chapters and one of the chapters, chapter three is entitled Hope in the Midst of Affliction. And that really just stuck out with me because I thought, wow, you know, no matter where people are in life, you know, if it's a breakup or if it's a divorce or a health diagnosis or, you know, unemployment, whatever the situation is, we're all enduring some type of affliction. You know, we're all in a space or a place, there's something going on in the world or, you know, in our own lives that there's oftentimes, um, you know, a little, a little adversity that's polishing us. And so in the first 19 verses, like I actually just laughed, like as an English teacher, I was literally like laughing out loud, the visual imagery of some of the words that he uses, you know, he literally describes the pain and anguish in such vivid description. You know, he writes about walking in darkness and he's besieged and he's surrounded by bitterness and there's hardship and he's dragged and mangled without help. Like these are like fierce, intense words. Like I would be giving all of my students, my fifth grade English students, an A for using these great words, you know? And he's just like, you know, I'm completely broken. My teeth are mashed and gnashed and gravel. Like, yikes. (laughs) Like, 
there's some serious pain going on here. You know, like his heart is breaking for what breaks God's heart here. But I love that in verse 21, and I have my Bible here, and if you um, are reading from a Bible, this one's the NIV version. But in in verse 21, I love this because listen what happens here. I'm going to read 20 and then into 21. It says, I well remember, and he's talking about all the times of pain and wandering and affliction, and my soul is downcast within me. And then he switches gears in verse 21, and he says, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I'm going to read that again. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And so, sister friend, that is such a pivotal turning point in this chapter and for us in our own lives because look what he says. I think on these things. I call these things to mind. How important is it? You know, Isaiah 55 tells us that we must think on his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And then we know that we must think on things that are pure and noble and honorable. I think that's 1 Corinthians. Don't quote me on that one. I don't have that one written down. But it says, you know, I call this to mind. Now, let me just tell you, over the last few weeks, you know what I've been calling to mind? I've been reading over old cards that I've, you know, he's written me. I've been listening to voice messages. I've been looking through old texts. Like, oh yeah, I've gone there. I have been like Jeremiah. I have been like dragging through the mud and, you know, allowing myself to walk in darkness and crying out for help and not feeling escape and being weighed down by chains. Like, man alive. (laughs) It is just, you know, a time of just such pain and heartache right now. But when I got to this verse, I was like, Lord, but I don't have to think like this. I don't have to go through every single voice message. I don't have to reread every single text. And so it goes on and it tells us in verse 22, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. And I'm like, wow, I don't have to let this consume me. I don't have to let this be the end all be all for his compassions never fail. And then I literally sat and I remembered, like, let me think about all the things that you have blessed me with. Like, let me just sit here and write a list of gratitude, even over these three months. Like, what have I experienced? What are some of the things that were good? And then it continues in verse 23. They are new every morning, referencing his compassion, and great is your faithfulness. I'm like, Lord, how have you been faithful? Not only in this season, but really in all of my life. Like, where have you shown up, Lord, in my life? And man alive, let me just tell you, there were pages of notes on that. And I say to myself, this is verse 24, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait on him. Now in Hebrew, the word portion is an inheritance. You know, so here it's referencing, you know, like security or hope, but it's it's an inheritance that we have through Christ, we know in the New Testament. And it says the Lord in verse 25, the Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. And I literally sat there and bawled and I was like, Lord, I place my hope in you, not in a relationship, not in worldly things. Lord, and it says to anyone who seeks him. And I was reminded in Jeremiah 29, 13, Lord, I seek your heart. I want to seek your face above all else in this. In verse 26, it is good to wait quietly. Mm, That's hard for me to do. Let me just tell you, when we were corresponding through email, I did not want to wait quietly. I wanted to send pages of emails. (laughs) And I would send scripture in one line. And as y'all know, if you're my friend or you've been listening for a little while, I'm pretty verbose. And it says, I'm waiting on the salvation of the Lord. And then verse 27, it is good for man to bear the yoke while he is young. 
So sister friend from verse 21, all the way through verse 26, we see Jeremiah, the weeping prophet literally switch gears and his hope is renewed. He has hope in the midst of affliction. He realizes, you know, that therefore he has hope because of what God has done previously because of God's faithfulness. He is consumed because of his compassion. He now has renewed hope. And so even though he is in a space and place of mourning, that God's mercies are new every morning. He reminds him, he reminds us, you know, too, of our hope that we have in the Lord. And so I was reminded, you know, of so many other scripture. And again, I don't have all the references here, but you know, that it is, it is when we are weak, that God is strong. When it is in his strength, right, is made perfect in our weakness. Well, you know what that means? That we have to literally allow ourselves to surrender And we know that God is a gentleman. It tells us in Revelation that, you know, I will knock at the door. He will wait. He will not just come in. The same thing in Song of Solomon. I don't know if it's chapter three or chapter three, maybe it's chapter seven. He knocks. He literally knocks the door and he's like, my lover, will you come to me? And she's like, nope, I'm hanging out over here. I'm already in bed (laughs) because we get comfortable. We get lazy. We don't want to open the door. And God says, you know what? I want you to invite me into this place, to the place that you're weeping, to the place that needs healed in your heart. So you're not just gonna go ahead and tuck it into a dark room or a dark recess or stuff it down with some Ben and Jerry's, that you're gonna allow me in. You're going to allow me, just like Jeremiah did, to come in and just remind you of who you are and who I am. And that we know that because of Jesus, that we have that same inheritance, that same portion is made available for us. So that very same day that I was actually doing this study, my dear friend and sweet sister, Mandy, sweet sister in Christ, that is, um, she sent me this really great devotional and it reminded me of the importance of surrender and how we literally, you know, oftentimes think of surrender as a weakness. But as I just mentioned, weakness, excuse me, surrender is actually a sign of strength. We're saying we can't do it on our own, but I love how in Zechariah 4, 6, God reminds us that it is not by my strength, but by my spirit, right? So it is not my strength, but the Holy Spirit literally took over. Sorry, that was my phone ringing there. But God took over. And he says, you know what? The Holy Spirit is going to be the one who's going to counsel you, who's going to comfort you, who's going to love you and help literally you know, mend these wounds of heartache and heartbreak and hopelessness. So the quote that she shared in this devotional, really powerful. I want you to write this down if you haven't taken notes to yet today. We can choose to sit with the enemy in defeat, or we can surrender to the Lord in victory. That hit me like a ton of bricks. Because we know that Jesus Christ was seated at the right hand of the Father. And when we sit with God, we are sitting in it from a place of rest. You know, that's my key word right now. But when we sit with Jesus and we allow ourselves to sit and be in that place in that space of healing and walk through those emotions, when we just sit in his lap, when we sit in the arms of our Abba Daddy, and we just say, you know what, Lord, there's a lot that I don't understand. And there's a lot that I feel defeated about right now. And there's a lot of hopelessness here. And he says, you know what? Give it to me. Let me take your burden. Let me usher you into victory. The victory is yours. It's already there. I want to walk you into that promised land. Allow your heart to grieve, sweet sister friend. Allow your heart to break for what breaks God's heart. God does not want heartbreak. God does not want cancer and sickness and abuse and divorce. God does not want us to worry or be anxious. Those things break God's heart. Instead, he says, you know what? I want you to go ahead and pass it on. Lay it over to me. 
what we might really feel like is a loss, you know, a heartbreak or, or something, you know, that's going on in our life, a time of affliction or adversity is really actually a gain when we realize and relinquish, you know, the pain over to Abba. And we say, you know what? It is not my strength, but it is yours. So sister friend, I read a um, quote. I don't know where it was again throughout the last week. I've been, you know, scrolling through Instagram and, you know, looking at all these feeds, godly waiting and, you know, all the, all the things and really just trying to anchor myself in a lot of scripture and just to restore my hope. And I love this quote and it, it reminded me of the importance of, you know, us not just chronicling our life as, you know, times in history. And it said, instead of the rest being history, let the rest be victory. And you know that I always hope to be able to walk another person through their time and to be able to provide and really just hopefully show up, you know, and show God to you in a different way or share something that just reveals a different character of God or just just something different, different characteristic of God or something different that gives you an opportunity to hold on to hope and to really go grow deeper in your own faith walk too. So sister friend, I would encourage you to walk in victory. Let the rest of your story be victorious. Victory is yours when you allow yourself to go ahead and just be seated at the right hand of the Father. Don't sit with the enemy any longer. Sit with our Father. Go and just allow Him to love up on you. Choose to rest in His presence. Choose to surrender with unwavering trust in His plans. Choose to think higher thoughts. Choose to think His way and not wallow in all the text and the cards and the voice messages, okay? That's just a little... A little aside for anyone who might be going through something similar here. It's been hard, let me tell you, but I've been deleting one by one. Okay, it can be done. It can be done. So I'm here for you there, sister friend, if that's you especially. I'm here for all of you. Please know that. Please know that I love and I cherish each and every one of you. Every single time you listen, I am just so humbled when you send me messages and you join the Facebook group. If you haven't joined Free in Favor, please go ahead and do that now. Um, I am just so honored and blessed to be along um, this side of heaven, the journey on this side of heaven with you and sister friend, I pray this blesses you. If so, please share it with a friend. And of course, always let me know too, if it blesses you, I love hearing from you and, uh, there'll be more to share about how God is, uh, showing up and shining his light in this season. So I pray that I will continue to bless me, bless you, pardon me with these messages of hope until we meet next, next time. Keep on shining.